We have some fascinating Gemara on Daf uh, Nun Beis, uh, Amud Aleph and Beis, uh, Psochim 52a and b, uh, which seems to be dealing really with the laws of Shemitah, the agricultural laws of the seventh year of, of Shemitah, uh, but it's dealing with something much deeper than that, as, as as we like to do in the Matmonim series of just discovering the underlying principle that really makes a difference in our lives. And I, I believe the underlying principle of the staff of Gomorrah is the impact of changing location, crossing boundaries, crossing time zones, um, going from, from one culture and one geography to another. How does that really affect us? And the two areas where we can observe it halachically is in the area of Shemitah, where we move fruit of the Shemitah year from one region to another, where different laws apply to it because of different seasons at that given time, uh, which the Gomorrah deals with a lot, and we're not going to go into that piece today. And the other part is with Second Day Yom Tif, which is also geography-bound, depends where you are in the world uh, as to whether you keep one day Yom Tif or you keep two days Yom Tif. And the Gemara starts with the um, uh, comment of um, uh, of Rav Safra, where Rav Safra says to Rabbi Abba, Rav Safra says to Rabbi Abba, Take me as an example. I I know how to work out exactly when Rosh Chodesh is. So in, in populated areas and communities, I certainly wouldn't keep one day Yom Tov where everybody else is keeping two. Because that would mean that would cause difference and divisiveness. But what would be the case if I'm in an area where there is no community, where there are no people? I'm out in the desert. What would be my my din that, at that time? So um, he answers, answers him. Rabbi Abba answers that Rabbi Ami said, "Be'yishuv asur." If you're in a community area of course you have to keep two days you may not keep one day but if you're in the desert it's it's okay what situation are we speaking about what circumstance are we speaking about so there seems to be a machloket between uh, Rabbeinu Hananel and Tosfot on the one hand and the um, Baal Hamaur on the other hand according to the Tosfot and Rabbeinu Hananel this seems to be a place where Rav Safra is going from Chutzlar, it's from Babylon, to Israel. Now, Rav Safra was a businessman. He was in the import and export business, and he used to travel a lot between Israel and, and Babylon. In fact, on the very next Amud, on Daphnun Beis, Amud Beis, we have the situation where Rav Safra wants to clarify the din. He discovers that by mistake he's carried Shemitah wine outside of Israel and he's already across the border. And the question is, does he have to go back to destroy it in Israel or can he destroy it where it is? Um, now, he shouldn't have been taking that wine out. And Tosfut says it's because he was trading with the wine. He wasn't taking the wine out to eat. He was taking out the wine out for trading purposes, which under certain circumstances is permitted. Uh, Rav Safra is, is not just an ordinary business person, uh, just an extremely upright one. Uh, the Gemara talks about Dover Emet Bilvavo, that one has to be honest in one's heart, not just in one's words and deeds. Uh, and the Gemara says, Kagon Rav Safra. For example, Rav Safra, who was such a person, honest in his heart, not only in his words and deeds. Uh, and there's this famous story brought in the Shields in Vayachi of Rav Safra busy in prayer. He was davening, and a trader came and offered him a price to buy his donkey. Uh, Rav Safra carries on davening, doesn't respond to the offer. The offer goes up, and, and, and Rav Safra still doesn't respond. The offer goes higher and higher. Eventually, Rav Safra finishes davening, and he turns to the trader, and he says, I'm happy to sell the donkey to you, but at the first price you mentioned, at the lowest price that you offered, because the moment you mentioned that price, in my mind, I accepted it. 
And since in my mind I accepted it, I'm going to stand by what I accepted in my mind. That's Dover Emet Bilvavo, that he follows truth and honesty even in his heart. So this is the Rav Safra we're talking about. The fact that he's to travel backwards and forwards between Israel and Babylon means we're not quite sure on, on what occasion was this question raised. So as we said, Tosfot and Rabbi Nechananel says he was on the way from Babylon to Israel. And he says, even though I've committed to go on Aliyah and I have my documents and papers and all the rest of it, uh, if I pass through a city in Babylon, I'm not going to keep one day Yom Tov. I will keep two days Yom Tov, as they do. But what happens if I'm in the, in the desert? So I'm on my way to Israel and I'm in a place where there is no community. And I know exactly when Rosh Chodesh is. I know exactly what day Yom Tov is. May I keep one day. Uh, and the uh, Baal Hamaur learns that it's the other way around. He's actually going he's on one of his trips from Israel to Babylon. And he says, when I get to a city in Babylon, of course I'll keep two days, even though I'm a Ben Eretz Israel. I am Israeli. I come from Eretz Israel. Um, but what about Bamidbar? What happens if I'm in, in the desert? I'm in an area where there isn't community. And the uh, Rav, uh, uh, and, and Rav um, Rabbi Abba says that Rav Ami says, as long as you haven't yet landed in a community where, while you're in the desert, even if you're in the borders of Chutzlar, you're in the borders of Babylon, you only have to keep one day. But once you've been into a community in Babylon, you become a Ben Eretz, a Ben Chutzlaritz, you become somebody who's resident in Chutzlaritz, and the laws of Chutzlaritz apply, apply to you. The um, Rabbi David asks the, the question of why are we even concerned about Machloket? Why are we concerned about the... Uh, customs of the people in the communities in Babylon. Those are not customs that were deliberately decided upon to keep for the sake of a minag. Those are customs that are being kept because of, of lack of information. They didn't know which day Yom Tov was. Now, while we have to be very careful to respect custom and not to do things that are counter to custom in a particular community, we're not obligated to act as if we're in doubt when, in fact, we're certain. So if the community is behaving in a certain way because they're lacking information and they're in doubt about an issue, but I know the answer, I know the issue, I'm an expert in that issue, I don't have to pretend I'm in doubt like they are just to respect them and not to cause machloket. The only time I really have to um, respect them and, and, and do the, the way they're doing is when the minhag is grounded in something, in a value, in some principle, not in ignorance. Uh, but if we look at a very important Rashi in uh, Beit Sadaf, Dalad Amud Bet, uh, I want to show you a diuk, just an, an, an idea uh, that one can deduce from, from Rashi, where Rashi talks about um, the statement there that um, that, that we uh, understand how to be Kovar Yerachim. We understand at that time in Babylon, we know how to fix the calendar and exactly what day Rosh Chodesh is and what day Yom Tov is. But nevertheless, Avdinan Tre Yomi, we still keep two days Yom Tov. Alma says Rashi, so we see, Chok Kavua Hu Mitakanat Chachamim Al Yisrael HaRachokim LaAsotan Vafilu Belo Safek. It is a fixed legislation. It is a fixed, fixed takana instituted and legislated by the Chachamim on those Jews who are distant. 
So notice, Rashi says, and the, and the legislation is, you've got to keep two days even if you're not in doubt. It has nothing to do with doubt. So when people say to you, why do you, are you keeping two days Yom Tov in Chutzlaretz? The answer is not, because in the olden days they didn't know what their Yom Tov it was. That's not the answer. The answer is because the Chachamim introduced legislation to require that B'nai Chutzlaretz, that people who live in Chutzlaretz, should keep two days and, and not one day. And, the, and, and as we learned a few days ago, we don't always know all the reasons for these takhanot. Sometimes a mechanism will be used, a, a reason will be given as the mechanism for the law, but that isn't the philosophic reason for the law necessarily. And here what's important is that the takhana was al Yisrael harachokim, not al mekomot harachokim. The law was made for those Jews from distant towns and different places and communities, not those places. The law was not on the place. The law was on the, on the person. Are you a Ben Chutzlaretz or are you a Ben Eretz Israel? What is, what is your status? Because you see, people are defined not only by who they are, but also by where they are, by the context, the cultural and the geographical and the social context in which they're living. That plays a part in defining who you are. And the quality of a Ben Chutzlaretz is different from the quality of a Ben Eretz Israel. One who lives in Chutzlaretz and thinks in those terms is different from one who lives in Eretz Israel and thinks in Eretz Israel and thinks in Eretz Israel terms. And what is the difference? Tosford brings in Sukhidaf Memdalamadalaf uh, that the difference is that in Chutzlaretz there's always the worry that there could be a serious anti-Semitism and there could be rules that are imposed on the Jewish people that prohibit them from practicing a lot of their uh, of their Torah and could make it impossible to access the calendar. And so one has to be concerned about it. Now, the issue is not that we're so concerned about losing contact with the calendar, but it's the mindset that when we're outside of Israel, our mindset is one that we are subject to the whims and the laws and the anti-Semitism of the states and the societies in which we live. They can influence our lives. They can change our lives. They can restrict our lives. When we're in Eretz Israel, we don't have that concern. So we think much more freely. It's a different way of thinking, and that's why we're called a Ben Eretz Israel or a Ben Chutzlaretz. And you remember a few days ago we had the conversation about what is the status of Israel today without the Beit HaMikdash and without a Sanhedrin? Are we really an independent, a truly independent civilization that thinks independently of the rest of the world? Or are we still to what some extent governed by the whims of the nations of the world? And therefore our thinking is more like Chutzlaitz than it is of Bene's Israel. And that's why we found that there were certain Rishonim, Rashi and the Ravid, for example, who paskined that you've got to keep two days Yom Tov even if you've lived in Israel all your life. Um, so just a different way of looking what is, at what Israel is today. But now we understand Rav Safra's question a little bit more. Rav Safra is saying, I'm not asking about the communities and the boundaries that I'm crossing. That's all clear. But if the, the din, if the halakha about two days Yom Tov is a function of who I am, uh, am I ben Chutzlaet or am I ben Eretz Israel? what is my status when I'm in transit? What is my status when I'm moving from one place to the other? even if it's with the intention of staying there permanently or not staying there permanently. And to test my status, I look at what will the law be when I'm in the Midbar. And I'm surrounded just by sand dunes and camels and Bedouins, but there aren't any Jewish communities. And I know exactly when Rosh Chodesh is and when Yom Tov is. Do, am I treated as a Ben Eretz Israel or a Ben Chutzlaretz? If it was just about the geography, he wouldn't be asking the question. The answer would be obvious. It depends where the boundary is. Have you crossed the border or haven't you? 
But he's not talking about the geography. He says, I understand the geography, but the law of second-day Yom Tov is about whether you are a Ben Yisrael or a Ben Chutzlaretz. Are you one of the Yisrael Harachokim? Are you one of the Jews who live in a distant place? Or are you a Ben Eretz Yisrael? And as I transit from one place to the other, I'm not sure what my status is when I'm in the Midbar, and that's the, the, the question that he poses. And so it's important for us to understand and not to downplay the impact that our environment, that our context has on who we are and how we think and our values and how we reason. We're, we're enormously not only influenced by the societies and the environments in which we live, but we're to some degree even governed by those influences and they affect who we are. We're defined by those influences. It's not for nothing that a person will say, I'm a Frenchman or I'm an American or I'm an Englishman. It's defining who they are to some degree. Uh, and only when we become a Ben Eretz Israel are we able to remove ourselves from the definitions of being a citizen of, of another state and under the control and the, and the influence of other societies and cultures and value systems uh, and to, be truly f- to feel truly immersed in an environment that is built on, on Jewish values uh, and on Torah.